gentlemen, welcome to the Christian Shopping Network, where we help you become a better believer. And a more faithful follower. I'm Matt Arnold. And I'm Bob Crystal. And we've got a great show for you today. Our show is about resolving conflict. Mm, no, it's not. Uh, actually, Bob, it is. <laughs> I'm afraid you're wrong. <laughs> uh, Bob, I've looked at the notes. No, you're wrong. <laughs> Why don't we get to our first product? Hey, why don't we? You know what? All I can say about our first product is life-changing. This book is number one on the New York Times bestseller. It's called I'm Okay, You're Not by P.K. Veidt. This book is absolutely incredible. I picked up this book the other day, and I read it cover to cover. And one of my favorite chapters was Humiliation and How I Mastered It. You know, I'll tell you, when, when you have that child and, and they're causing problems, being able to really bring your intensity level up to the point of humiliation is really effective. And what about manipulating scripture to diffuse and confuse? Ah, another good chapter. And you know what? Rounding off that great book, that last chapter, it's not my fault I had a bad mother. You know, it's chapter titles like that that are going to make this book fly off our shelves. That's right, Bob. In normal book chains, this book would retail for $30. Oh, but not right now. If you order now, you will get this book for $29.95. That's a bargain. Hey, you know what? That is one smart-looking pager you've got there. Thanks. It's not an ordinary pager. It's the Disenrager pager. You know, I think I've heard about these things. Now, is this the product that enables you to take away all the unnecessary thought and emotional investment when dealing with conflict with your wife? You are correct. And let me show you how it works. The Disenrager pager actually records in your own voice 30 pre-recorded responses that can help you in a conflict situation. Well, how does it work? Well, you know my wife. What are some of the things you've heard her say to me? Well, uh, why am I the only one doing all the work around here? Well, what you do with the Disenrager pager is just press this button and move your lips. I was wrong. You were right. I was blinded by your beauty. That is fantastic. What else does it say? Well, here's another one. I'm tired of watching sports. Let's go shopping. You know, my wife would love that. And Bob, here's my favorite one. I was listening. I was just thinking about how much I love you. I tell you what, that is one awesome product. Well, I'll tell you, Bob, we're going to offer this Disenrager pager for a special low price of $299. You know, Matt, I would pay $299 to get my wife off my back. I'd pay more. Now, remember, the last time we had this on our show, it tied up our phone line, so if you can't get through, be sure and call right back. That's true. As good as this pager is, sometimes you need something a bit stronger. That's why we are offering something that is guaranteed to resolve your conflict. And if you call right now and purchase the book and the pager, we'll throw in this for free. Matt, what does this look like to you? Well, Bob, it looks like a, a copper pipe and two fishing lures. It may look like that to you, and it may look like that to your spouse, but this is actually a very highly sophisticated blowgun designed by the Wakaka tribe in Peru. It comes with two darts, pre-coated with enough phenobarbital to end your conflict for at least two hours. Now, that's a football game or a trip to the mall. Oh, that's sharp. <laughs> yes, it is. Matt? 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 Oh, well, uh, that's the end of our show today. We'll see you next week on the Christian Shopping Network. Goodbye. Well, as tempting as it is, 
and uh, easy as well to deal with conflicts in some of these ways. Today we're going to be looking at resolving conflicts in a God-designed way. It's actually one of the major themes in Scripture. If you read through, there's these constant ways and practical ideas that God puts in place on how we can resolve and deal with our conflicts. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to be, uh, at least to set the pace of the message this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, we'll start in verse uh, 17 and go through 21. So if you get there, just kind of put your hand there. We'll come back to it in just a moment. But uh, I thought we'd play a, a little game to start just to see how well we know or you know how to deal with conflict. So I have a few phrases I want to read, and I'm going to read half of it and then let you finish the statement. Simple enough, right? Yeah, yeah, you're very, very convincing. Uh, but just to be sure, uh, I'm going to put some of the phrases up on the screen, uh, and then you can fill in uh, the ending. All right, simple enough. Now, uh, the only thing I want to coach you on is that uh, we want to hear it with a little bit of volume and conviction this morning. All right, because I'm sure at one time or another in your life, you said these that way. All right, first one would be this. I, it wasn't... Very good, very good. My fault. You see, you see how it works right there. And that was uh, pretty easy for many of you. Threw that out right away. Um, how about this one, little conversation? You say, would you please just let me finish talk, I heard. All right, we'll accept both. Finish is the answer. Good. All right. How about, well, he or she can come apologize to me. Very good. All right. And uh, finally, uh, one of the favorites in my house growing up, I can hear my dad saying it. If you don't stop crying, I'm going to come in there and... I was debating uh, an abbreviated version of this message, and uh, you answered those so easily that uh, I thought, maybe we'll need to do the whole thing. <laughs> Conflict. That's what we're talking about. What is it? Let me give you a quick dictionary definition. It's just simply this way a clash between two opposing forces. That's conflict. A clash between two opposing forces. This morning, it's true, we're going to deal with conflict mainly in terms of people conflict, but conflict is simply that. It's this clash that goes on. Now, when I read that phrase, a clash between two opposing forces, I kind of think of the, the whole superhero world, you know, where you have the, the good guy who always stands for truth and right and can never be swayed by anything bad, and, and they stand in that kind of conviction. That's the good guy. And then on the other side, there's the bad guy, and he's swayed by evil all the time, only in it for his, his own selfish desires or taking over the world or whatever the case may be. He's the guy that never pulls open his button-down shirt to reveal any cool-looking costume underneath and no triumphant music playing in the background for that guy. Uh, we often think about conflict this way, that it's this good, good, good guy bad, bad, bad guy. But the truth is, if we look at the definition, conflict is something we all have to deal with all the time. Conflict is something that you might have a right and a wrong, but you might even have two rights. Whatever we do about conflict, we cannot avoid it in our life. Conflict will be there wherever we go, for many of us, even daily. A clash between two opposing forces. This morning, simply put, it's when we butt heads and when we ask the question, now what? Now what do we do? And our focus of our message is just that, answering that question, now what? What happens now? Let's take a look at that passage I asked you to look at, Romans chapter 12, 
We're going to start in verse 17. I'm going to read the whole passage through chapter, uh, verse 21, but we're going to really focus on one or two of the verses. Take a look at it uh, if you've opened to it. And just to make sure we really soak in this word and take it in, I'm going to ask you to read it out loud with me. So you can follow on the screen or in your own word. We're reading Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21 from the NIV. It says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to not what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's the key phrase I want you to walk away with this morning that you have kind of embedded in your head because conflict will arise this week and you kind of need your ammo in place to deal with it. The phrase is this. It goes along with the passage. Good conflict resolution always begins with my heart. Good conflict resolution always always begins with my heart. It begins with me. And the passage I want you to kind of attach to that when you're dealing with conflict is, is the phrase, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Have you ever played a, a board game with somebody uh, who's trying to do something else? You know, and you're going around the table and uh, it's your turn and you, you roll the dice and do your turn and pick your card and take the money or whatever your turn might entail and then it goes to the next person it gets to this person who is distracted by doing something else maybe they're texting or whatever and the whole group kind of sits and waits and they're like waiting and you wonder do I tell this person hey it's your turn um, do I throw something at the person or you know you, you really debate what what to do there and finally the person kind of wakes up and realizes, oh hey is it my turn and everyone's like yes it's your turn for the 17th time going around, it is your turn. There are some times in conflict where we deal with it this way. We deal with conflict and we don't think, is, is it my turn? It, should I be doing something here? Or do I kind of wait and let the other players involved do stuff? What the passage is telling us, our overarching passage, before we go on any further, is it's your turn. When conflict arises, it is your turn. We first look at conflict resolution by looking at our own heart, our own situation. Where are we involved in this conflict? The Bible takes it a, a step further when we look at our own heart, and we find it in the, in the book of James. James chapter 4, 1 through 2 says this. Where do you think all these appalling wars or quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come out, they come out because... You want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? And when James is writing here, he's not referring to country wars. If you want to kind of break down the context, he's not referring to that. What he's talking about here is is these battles that we have among peoples. And this is his audience. He's talking to the Jews. And at this point in time, after, after uh, 
Jerusalem was kind of ransacked, the Jews were spread all over the region in many different cultures and different countries, and he's sending this letter to them. In fact, at the beginning of the book of James, it says, to the Jews of the diaspora, meaning the spreading of them. And so the Jews are all over, and he's sending this to them. In fact, we don't even get, uh, we don't even really get a clear idea that he's sending it to Jewish Christians. He doesn't tell us that. So it's very well he's sending this out to the Jews who maybe have heard the message of Christ, maybe have heard it and rejected it, and some that have received it. And they're living in different customs, or in, in areas of different customs, different languages, different religious backgrounds. That's the context. And so when James sends this word, he's saying to them, look, where do you think all this, this strife you're having where you live, live comes from? Where do you think it comes from? It really comes because you haven't sought God. Really, at the core of it, it comes because you've left one major thing out of the equation, and that's God himself. Where does all bickering come from, James says? It comes from the lack of God in our lives. And so this morning, before we walk forward uh, and talk about some practical steps and how we resolve conflict, the big issue we have to ask is what type of conflict is going on in our walk with God. Now, I realize in a group like this, there are some of you that are here this morning, and this whole God thing is just starting to click. You're just starting to understand, and you're just starting to say, you know, there might really be something there that I've pushed away a long time in my life, and you're investigating it, and you're seeking what God has to offer your life. For some of you, it's very new. Like, this whole, this whole Christianity thing is kind of a baby experience for you, even if it was a couple years ago. But as far as your knowledge of how God can interact in your life and what he can bring, it's still in this kind of baby stage, and, and you're receiving, and you're growing, and you're learning. And then for some of you, you know, you're, you're kind of fully devoted, locked in. It doesn't really matter where you're at in one of those three places. The message that, that is being offered today is that if we let God, if we don't let God in each area of our lives, we're going to have a conflict with him. This morning, James is, is telling us that if we're at the point where we don't know God at all, or we haven't stopped to say, God, I want to surrender this area of conflict in my life, then, as James called it, we deal with these wars and these constant quarreling. And peace is not one of those things we'll find. And we're left really to do this. We're left to just deal with things the best that we know how. Have you ever lived in that stage where you just feel like, I'm dealing with things the best I know how? And your day in and day out is kind of dictated by that statement. I'm just dealing with it the best I know how. And here's God on the sidelines saying, I have so much to offer your life. I have so much peace I want to bring in the midst of your life. And yet we're dealing with it the best way we know. I, I pulled a couple uh, old Facebook posts out that I wanted to read to you this morning. And uh, I changed some of the names here so we, we make sure we're private here. And, and don't worry, you know none of these people. So, uh, so relax, <laughs> sit back. I saw the, the sweat starting to beat up on some of your heads. It's, it's okay. It's not you as far as you know. Let's take a look at it. Person number one posts this. Obviously, there's a conflict that's gone on in their life. Oh, I feel so bad for girls like Stephanie that have friendships that are made out of spite of someone else. Can you get more pathetic than that? Nah. Person number two hears that and jumps right in and says, Ha ha, so true. And don't be sorry. If anyone 
if any if someone is that offended you can uh, they can just drop off the face of the planet all right good person number three decides to jump in trust me i think she can get way more pathetic than that everything about her is pathetic person four jumps in i'm gonna whoop that girl's boop. Number, four, number one comes back now after the support that they've received and says, just that Stephanie is a disgusting lying, beep, ha ha. I honestly can say I don't hate anyone but her. Anything that comes from her mouth is a lie. God says, that's not a good plan. This girl is just dealing with conflict the best way she knows how to deal with it. The best way she knows how. Do you think if you sat down and, and the girl's heart was open that she would understand, man, God has this great, better way to deal with conflict if she wouldn't be willing to say, yeah, I want that. There's so much more peace to it. But she's dealing with it the best way she, she knows how. Before we move on, I want to talk about two questions we can ask ourselves before we deal with conflict resolution and then three filters we can kind of, as we're processing resolution, what they can bring to our life. But this morning, you might be in a situation where your biggest conflict in life is your conflict with the Lord. Your biggest conflict in life is not just surrendering something over to Him. And we can be Christians for years and still have a week or two where we lose sight of this, and we just take control of our own conflict, and we start to deal with it and wrestle with it and wrestle with it, and before we know it, it's a big, ugly mess, and God was never part of the solution. This morning, I think we just need to kind of pause our hearts and just ask ourselves, is there something I have not surrendered over God in an area of conflict? Have I not gone to Him? Am I dealing with something major in my life? What kind of major conflicts do we deal with? Well, as somebody married, I think marriage conflicts. There's some of us that you might deal with it every single week, some conflict in your marriage. And maybe it's one issue in the marriage and it just keeps rearing its head week after week after week after week. And you realize right now, if you really thought about it, you know, God is not involved in that conflict at all. That's myself and my spouse. For some, it may be a, a, a kid conflict. Maybe you have a child who is, is growing up or grown. Maybe they're even moved out and gone. But you know there's this ongoing conflict. And you ask yourself this morning, has God been a part of this conflict at all? As you part, start to ponder that and think through that, I want to I read a passage from Matthew here that comes off of the James passage as this morning. But Matthew says this in chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. If James says, you wouldn't even be willing to ask God, would you? Matthew lets us know, just ask. Just involve me. Bring me into the mix. And I'll help resolve this conflict in your life. Well, this morning, for the remainder of our time, I, I want to walk through practical steps in conflict resolution. And I thought before we even really deal with conflict, we want to ask ourselves a couple questions. These may, I, I know to some of you, these may like be duh statements. Like when you ask the question, you're going to go, Tom, that's, yeah, I, I knew that already. Uh, but there's a good reminder for us to ask a couple questions about conflict. Question number one is this. What really is the conflict? 
what really is the conflict? Do you ever stop and ask yourself that in the midst of conflicts? Like, I get these visions of movies sometimes where, where people are, like, are going at it and fighting and bickering and, and yelling at each other, and then all of a sudden they say, what were we fighting about? And they laugh and stuff like that. Now, that happens in the movies and in sitcoms. It's not always quite that way in real life. I remember in 12th grade, I was in debate class. Anyone ever took debate class? Yeah? Good. One. Trevor? Oh, boy. You and I, we're going to have fun. So... I remember in debate class, my teacher uh, was telling us that we needed to have our note card notes for the entire debate scripted out, that we needed to have everything. We went, we went up there, that we needed this little road map. If a question came up this way, you pulled these cards. But all of the notes had to be out because she said there's a real fear sometimes in debate, especially when you're learning how to do it, that you will get up there without notes or without cards, and you'll actually lose sight of what you're doing and start arguing another argument, like something you were preparing for next week or something you did last week, uh, and you'll lose sight of what you're doing. And everyone watching knows exactly what's happening, and they're wondering, why is he arguing something that is not, has nothing to do with this debate? She's really telling us, what are you debating? Tell yourself, what are you debating the whole time? The same is true with conflict, that we have to ask ourselves, what is the conflict? What are we really fussing about? What have we really butted heads about? Have you ever added something to the argument as you're, as you're processing an argument and you're going down the row? You know, and that brings up another thing. <laughs> and this conflict keeps going. The question we should ask ourselves before we can really resolve and deal with resolution is, what is the conflict? This means we ask ourselves things like, why am I upset? What exactly happened when the conflict came up? Have I been introducing any additional conflicts and this is a key question. Is there any fault with me? Remember we said good conflict resolution always begins with my heart. The book of Psalm backs this up. It says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Looking first to myself, is there anything within me? Did I do anything wrong here? Now, let me pause for just a second. God does not want you to seek forgiveness for something you did not do to resolve a conflict. That's not his plan and his way. He has no desire for you to simply say, hey, I'm sorry, when you really did not do anything wrong. But at the same time, he wants us to search ourselves and ask the question, were we at fault at all here? Question number two, who's involved in the conflict? Have you ever noticed how quickly a, a mob of people kind of form when a conflict comes about and sides are formed pretty quick. We just read some on Facebook of how that happens. You know, the Bible, it even happens there. There's this story in the Bible in the book of Acts where Paul is traveling with some interns. You know, these are the guys that are kind of, you know, they, they kind of think Paul's got it going on, so they're following him to learn. And they come into Ephesus and there is this, this contention and the people are angry, angry with Paul. And they can't find Paul, so they grab his two, uh, his two interns, they're Gaius and Aristarchus, and they throw him into the arena. And by now, it's become such a big uh, to-do that the arena is filled with people that are screaming and shouting and yelling in this anger and frustration. But here's the funny part of the, the whole story. Look in Acts 19.32. The assembly was in a confusion some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. 
it even happens in God's word here. That this conflict, it comes about and it will start to grow and spiral if we don't ask, who's the conflict with? Who's it with here? And we start going and we pull people in here, here, and here that have nothing to do and we start forming opinions in their heads that they otherwise would never have had and it keeps growing and growing. And so we ask ourselves, who's involved in the conflict? Who's involved in that? You know, Matthew chapter 18 is one of the great chapters that, that helps us deal with conflict. Helps us deal with conflict. But there's one requirement that's put in place right at the get-go. And take a look at it in Matthew 18. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. You see, the first step in resolving it there in Matthew chapter 18 is that you deal with that person. Who's involved in the conflict? That's the person you go and you spend time with. Now, there's additional steps on how we deal with conflict after that point, but initially it's with, it's with that person. So you ask, what is the conflict and who's the conflict with? You know, now, I said we're going to ask those two questions, but I want now to really follow up on that now what and I want to just talk about three quick filters in the remainder of our time that we put these, these, uh, these conflicts through. And just like any filter is going to purify something, that's what's going to happen in these three filters. So now what? Let's talk about these three filters. But first, uh, I thought we would we'd look at a little video on dealing with conflict. Says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. No <laughs> <laughs> mama said it. Alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anybody else? Yes, we use Alligators are aggressive because of an enlarged medulla oblongata. It's the sector of the brain which controls aggressive behavior. That is correct. The medulla oblongata. Mama the medulla oblongata is where anger, jealousy, and aggression come from. Now, is there anybody here can tell me where happiness comes from? Nothing. Anyone? All right. Let's hear what Mama has to say on the subject. Mama say that happiness is from magic rays of sunshine that come down when you're feeling blue. <laughs> well, folks, Mama's wrong again. <laughs> no, Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. Mama's right. <laughs> All right. Mama's right. Mama's right. Something wrong with his medulla oblongata. <laughs> 
whole concert, I couldn't find her. All right, so maybe not the best way to deal with conflict. So we'll ask ourselves, what, how should we now? What should we be doing now? When we come to the point where it's now time to resolve the conflict and deal with it, we've asked the question of what the conflict, and we've identified, and we've asked ourselves who's involved, and we've come before that person, and now we want to spend time talking about really three filters that we can put it through this morning. There's a great book that's written by Ken Sandy named Peacemaker. In fact, a book that I would strongly encourage you to take a look at, and you can go much more in depth on dealing with conflict and finding peace, not just with people, but with things in your life as well. But he shares a story, and I'd like to kind of walk through the story and then talk about the filters as we're processing uh, through the story. You see, he writes of this family that's going through conflict. Mom and dad had died and left their house to four of their five grown children. The fifth child had had a special needs and had been homebound his whole life. It was the only house that this young man knew, but he wasn't one of the four that the family left the house to. And so, as often happens, these siblings wanted to sell the house. They were living in houses of their own and had developed bills of their own, some with kids in college, and so they wanted to sell. But the fifth child was petrified and really refused to move out is what happened. It's the only home he had known. This family was in conflict. So the family goes and they meet with a pastor and, and they talk to him about these, these challenges that they were facing and, and talk about the conflict and a possible resolution that they had come up with. And the pastor challenges them. He says this, There's something else to consider. All of you profess to be Christians. So what is the difference between the way you are handling the conflict and the way a good atheist would be handling the conflict. You see, what the pastor is throwing in here is he's asking, what is different about the way as Christians you might approach? What is different when you walk into the situation hand-in-hand hand with God versus walking in without Him? The first filter is this. Does the resolution glorify God? But we should be asking ourselves, does it glorify God? This, whatever the resolution to the conflict that we come up with, does it give God glory? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says it this way, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, it's really easy to departmentalize our spirituality, isn't it? I mean, we take it some places, but we don't take it other places. When I started coaching college baseball at a Christian college, uh, I walked in a little bit naive, you would say. I, I walked in, and my assumption was everyone would think taking Christianity into the field and talking about lessons as things came up on the field would just be par for the course at a Christian college. But I learned not the case. Even in that atmosphere, often there were players that thought we should do a Bible study Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whenever, maybe a small group, and then we should go out to the field and we should work on the field and what is the spiritual stuff that we're bringing out and we're talking about on the field there was a time where I asked them to write a paper one page paper that talked about what they were the challenge they were facing on the field it was different for each one of them and how was that challenge related to the challenges the Lord had put before them spiritually I was wanting them to write about something that didn't connect way out here but I was wanting them to process it to see how they overlapped. 
I got some hard pushback from four or five players that couldn't see that type of connection. This family here is dealing with something like that. They haven't first understood the connection of something honoring and glorifying God, that if they seek a resolution here, it should be a resolution that brings honor and glory to God. Now, I realize this morning, if, if you're not a Christ follower yet, that that's a hard point to kind of wrap yourself around and, and receive. But those of you who are followers of Christ, asking, does it glorify God? It's key. It's at the forefront of what, what we should be doing. Well, the story goes on here, and later the family, asked, uh, the family is asked, what's more important to you in this situation? To get your money as soon as possible, as most people would do, or to demonstrate the love of Christ to your brother? Now, it was this question the pastor asked that kind of changed the family's thinking. They had never thought for a moment about ministering to their brother, I mean, this is their brother they grew up with their whole life. It didn't dawn on them that there was an opportunity here to resolve conflict in a way that might minister and take care of his needs. It's filter number two. Does the resolution minister to those who are in conflict? When we have conflict with somebody else, it doesn't matter if they're a follower of Christ or not, we have this great opportunity to share God's love with them by how we resolve conflict. The conflict. And meaning there are times when we are willing to go a certain direction over another direction simply because we know that we'll put that person in a position where they might see Christ maybe for the first time or maybe for one of those few times in long periods of their life. Galatians 6 2 says it this way carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And what we're being shown here by, in Galatians is that if we carry each other, if we care for each other, the things that are of distress to other people, then we are following what Christ put in the law. Remember in the Old Testament, what he really meant by that law in the first place. Our passage today was from Romans chapter 12, and one of the verses in chapter 12, verse 20, says this, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read Bible passages like that, and I think, what in the world are they talking about here? Because as you read it the first time, if you read it quick, you, it might look like burning coals that you are hurting this person, and that the passage is calling us to don't do evil, but then put a bunch of hot stuff on their head that will scar them and burn them for life. It, kind of weird how that matches up but the metaphor is this that they would take these burning coals and they would put some type of ore and they would put the burning coals on top below around and as it burned it would burn off the impurities and it would make that thing more pure whatever it was they were burning and so the imagery is the same here is that when we heap burning coals that God will help purify he will strip away the things that need to be stripped away so that pure resolution can be there and that this, this peace and this connection can be there. And the Bible says just above that to leave room for God's vengeance, for God to avenge. And God is really saying this. It's not your job to avenge. I'll take care of that. It's not your job. Your job is to come along and put the coals in strategic places that will strip away the junk. 
and will bring to a pure place? Does the resolution minister to that person in conflict? Let's conclude the story. The, f- the family decides not to sell, and they decide to honor their brother. In fact, they started to look for an opportunity where they might be able to keep the brother in the house for a long-term period. And then God provided. God brought along a buyer who was willing to buy the house for an investment and not move in. And in doing that, the brother was allowed to live there as long as he wanted to live. And the family received the finances they were expecting and hoping to receive. There's one more filter that I want to talk about. And this is one I think that in the Christian world we neglect. We push to the side. The filter is this. Does the resolution sit well with you? Does the resolution sit well? You see, when we put God first and we seek to glorify and honor Him, and then we look at the needs and the burdens of the person near us, God also says, I want to know that you're taken care of. I want to make sure what you needed, what your needs are, are cared for as well. God's interested in us. He's just interested in putting it in the right order for us. But he desires to come out and say, I want your needs in this conflict to be met as well. God is not interested in us being just doormats. He's not interested in us when conflict comes around to just go into ultra-passive mode, lay on the ground, and just allow whatever needs to happen, happen so that the people around us are happy, but not us. That's not what this is about. But God does want us to glorify him, care for the other person's burden, and then ask, is this work for me? Is this a good resolution for me as well? Does this bring health to maybe the relationship or situation for me as well? Let me give you an example, and maybe this is an extreme one. But let's say we have a husband, and he's beating on his wife. And the wife is reading God's Word, or she's hearing some Christian uh, tapes or messages, and she hears this, Colossians 3.18, say, Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as it's fitting to the Lord. And she thinks, you know, I need to glorify God. And in glorifying God here, I need to just kind of submit to my husband's outbursts. Trust God's going to do something. She can rationalize filter number one. And then she reads about uh, praying for those who persecute you in Matthew chapter 6. And she does that faithfully, praying for her husband. She seemingly can even pass filter number two there because she's praying for his needs. But if we look at filter number three, we ask, does this resolution sit well with her? No, it doesn't sit well with her. And nor should she ever be made to, con- to feel that she should be able to, con- or have to continue in that type of situation. There are some times, many not nearly as extreme as this, where a situation, though we think we can glorify God, maybe with a passage we've read and we're, and we're trying to care for somebody else or thinking about the good it was bring him, but it's miserable to us. That's not where God wants to resolve conflict. God wants to resolve conflict when his name is exalted and lifted up and when both people involved are cared for and ministered to, you included. Your job is to look to somebody else and to see how you can minister, but know your needs have to be taken care of as well. John writes in his third book of John uh, this, this type of heart. He says, I pray for good fortune in everything you do and for your good health 
that your everyday affairs prosper as well as your soul. This is the place God wants us to be in. And through conflict as well. So these three filters of conflict. And just like uh, any filtration unit, when you push through these filters, you come out with something much purer on the other end. Now, the last thing we'll say is just like for me, it's probably for you, conflict is difficult. Am I right? It's not easy. Just because we are armed with some strategy that we've talked about this morning will not make it any easier to walk in and to deal with conflict. There's still this step that we have to go and walk through. But if God puts this type of word in his, in his Bible, if it is all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If God prompts us and compels us to do something like that, he is a God, as we've read in many passages today, who will come along and say, I will provide for you. I will be your strength for you. I will walk you hand in hand through the conflict. So this morning as we go before the Lord and we spend a moment praying to him, maybe for you you just need to spend a moment just confessing the conflict to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm dealing with this. It's ongoing. I want to find your resolution this morning. The Bible is so strong that it, it says even this. If you're dealing with a conflict unresolved, nobody's made a step, the Bible's so clear to just get up from your place and go and deal with it. Put everything aside in your life and go deal with the conflict. That's how much God wants us to find peace this morning. Let's go before him and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are in the midst of conflict. And Lord, I know myself, like many here today, Lord, we deal with conflict on a weekly basis, whether it's with a person or situation in our life. And Lord, that you have come along inside of us and you said, I want to be your God in conflict. I want to be the one that cares for you and provides for you. And Lord, I know for me, sometimes the hardest part of the whole conflict thing is just sitting and letting you in. And so, Lord, if there be one this morning who, at the core of their conflict, it's a conflict with you, God. It's a conflict of not just bringing in and surrendering before you. I pray that this would be the morning they could surrender that conflict. For one or two, Lord, or many, maybe it's just simply surrendering their life to you, receiving you into their heart as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they've never taken the time to just stop and say, yeah, that's what I need. And Lord, for some, they may be on different stages in asking the questions or the filters that we talked about this morning. And Father, I just want to ask that you would propel them to keep the process going in a godly, designed way that you would keep it going. And Lord, we want to claim your word that you will bring resolution to conflict. We give it to you in your son's name. Amen.